You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. <laughs> Once again, you are now tuning into the Minority Trailblazer podcast, and I'm your host Greg E Hill, the Culture Change Agent. Thank you, Dream Out Loud, and featured artist Laka Shaw for blessing us with the intro. I've been getting amazing feedback from it thus far. And yo, it always, ah, man, that energy, da, 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 bro, skin, no, but, oh, man, I got the boy hype out here. Woo, I'm hype, I'm hype, I'm hype. So before we get into the show, and I guarantee I got a banger for you, banger, 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 banger for you. I just got, you already know, I got a couple housekeeping. First, the book is on the way, May 20th. Remember, you're a genius again. I'm an author, if you don't know. So definitely go check out the book. And for all those interested in purchasing a book, I got a special discount for you just because you listen to the podcast. And you can find out about that at gregehill.com backslash podcast book. Another shameless plug, November 11th through 13th, we will be having the first Minority Trailblazers Summit. You heard it here first. Bringing some of the most talented people that we have on the show in one area, in one room, and teaching principle by principle by principle steps, having Q&As, breakouts, fun, creative stuff. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going down in Durham, North Carolina. I haven't released any details to the public yet, but I guarantee for all my loyal podcast listeners, you will get an amazing discount. And for more information, the people that want to know exactly when it comes out, the details, location, the price, and get on it, please email me at greg at greggyhill.com. We're going the old school way. Email me so I can put you on the list to be the first people to know about the details when it comes out. This is going to be a transformational event, and I had to plug it. So the Minority Trailblazer Summit is going down November 11th through 13th in Durham, North Carolina. We have some big names in this space. They're going to be teaching everything they know. You get a chance to ask questions. We're going to be doing a lot of great stuff. So if you want more information, reach out to me on social media. Email me at greg at greggyhill.com. And let's get you on the list, the early list, because I'm giving steep discounts to those that have been with me from the beginning, all right? Enough of the shameless plugs. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. And I just want to say, if you are listening via SoundCloud and you have an iPhone, stop listening via SoundCloud. (laughs) And go search via iTunes podcast app. It's a purple app. 
Go to Minority Trailblazer Podcast, subscribe there. Also, if you're listening via iTunes, please leave a review, all right? And I want to shout out to a couple people that just left some amazing reviews. BJ Patrick, love it. This podcast sheds a refreshing light on the wonderful orgs and business minorities that are leading in our nation. Love it, love it, love it. I got Coco123123. I think that's Kiera. She says, typically, I don't write reviews, but I'm absolutely inspired by this podcast. I can and have listened for hours. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And Global Donica. Season one has been so inspirational, and I have made this podcast a part of my business regimen. Please keep up the good work. Your guests are inspiring. Thank y'all. I mean, it means a lot to me. And most importantly, it means a lot to the iTunes ranking. So leave a review if you have not. If you listen on the iPhone, this is more than your first podcast. And you have not left a review. Please put some respect on it. Put some respect on this podcast. I know it's overplayed. It's cliche now. But I just I, I never used it. So I just wanted to use it. <laughs> I be having too much fun before my guests get on. I know you're up like, yo, man, get this guy off right now. But I'm, I'm, I'm living it. I'm living. I'm living it. And if you're listening via a non-Apple device, we are now on Google Play Music. So podcast search Minority Trailblazer podcast. You're listening via SoundCloud. Make sure you follow us. All right, all right, all right. So that's enough of the housekeeping. Let's get into our featured guest. And I'm going to start a little bit differently because I want to do some cold intros because I've been reading intros and I know some of y'all be like, yo, he's reading from a paper. Some intros be a lot more fluid. But this lady, this woman, this entrepreneur right here embodies freaking beast mode, creativity, and thinking outside the box. Also, she is one of the the first people I have on the show that also has a son. Like, she is getting it with a son. And I I met her through an event called This Is Her Way, led by the amazing and phenomenal Sherry Williams out in D.C. So, side plug, if you're in D.C. and you do not know Sherry Williams, if you're not involved in This Is Her Way, please. It's a great empowerment organization for young women. Old women, I mean, not old, I ain't gonna use old and young, <laughs> but great women, great resource, and great community. But I met her through that event, and I just, before, after the event, I just kept seeing her photography online. I kept seeing her in Philadelphia, New York, and Texas, and all across the country. And I'm like, yo, what, what did she do? Like, I, 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 I didn't understand. So I did a little research, and I saw that she's been in the game two to three years. And started this great organization called Brown Girls with a Camera that really highlighted the industry, which honestly is primarily done or represented by white males. And she put a face, not her face. She started off with a broad face of every brown girl with a camera, which is very niche down. I saw all the way. And now she travels across the U.S. No, actually, side note, across the country, across the world, doing workshops on photography, doing workshop teaching other people how to shoot model photography, how to shoot wedding photography, how to shoot clients, like really teaching everybody the process. And what's so ingenious about it This is how she started and got into the game because she realized that she was a bit of a novice. So what what did she do? She said, "Okay, I'm going to make this umbrella organization and I'm going to reach out to people that are better than me. And I'm just going to put it together and just do pop up shows. And now it's really morphing into a couple thousand followers later, morphing into a whole industry, a whole organization, a whole groundswell of talented people 
women of color with a camera with one purpose and that is shoot amazing photos to charge and know their worth when it comes to these meeting with these wedding planners these event planners and these people that need headshots and man it's so exciting the work that they're doing and the, the movement that they have created with one idea and i'm glad to bring in their humble leader they're a humble leader that has been so ingenious in creating these workshops, these events, these portfolios, these things that bring people together with a purpose, but also leverages people that want to utilize their skill set to make money. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you want to do good, you want to continue to do good, you have to make money when your business. And I love that she's been able to bring in all females of color. Mm. Ooh. Can't use the female word because I use that female word on my blog a couple times and I got attacked on social media. So our powerful women of color. So I, I, I just love the energy she brings and I can't wait to have her on the show. And matter of fact, she's on the show. She's on the line right now. So I, without further ado, please, Minority Trailblazing Nation, welcome to the show. This entrepreneur, this full-time hustler, this mother of an amazing son. Ruby Melton, founder of Black Girls with the Camera, to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. Man, I'm more excited than you. I guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're new to the show, we always start the show off with a quote. And Miss Ruby, take us away. Share with our audience a quote that you live by that gets you going in a story, because I'm all about stories. Mm -hmm. that yes. brings that quote to life absolutely so i would say one of my favorite quotes is by albert einstein and it goes the woman who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd the woman who walks alone is likely to find herself in places no one has ever been mm. okay so Simon, if we even, before you even get to the story it's crazy that albert einstein if you look online and look at his picture, you don't think he's really that deep. He just looked like a scientist, but he is quotes. I'm mean, like, come on, man. Did he really say that? Yeah. <laughs> he looked like he was never around any girls his entire life. And, you know? and let me stop talking about Albert Einstein like that, like a genius. But give us a story to really bring that quote to life in your journey. Sure. So, you know, um, just growing up when I was younger, I never really fit into any particular crowd. I was just kind of cool with everyone. So, you know, I played uh, volleyball and basketball and track when I was younger in high school. So I was cool with the athletes. And so, you know, I was cool with the smart people because I had AP and high, you know, in honor roll classes. And so just growing up, you know, I just realized that really to get where I'm going, I can't really follow the crowd because they're not heading in the direction where I want to go. And so when I came across this quote a few years ago, it just really hit home for me because that's kind of how I've been leading my life uh, in my late 20s is kind of following my own path to where, you know, I am currently today. Mm. Learn from season one. I usually ask people, oh, dig deeper, dig deeper. I was like, yo, this whole podcast, we got a chance to really bring and unpackage that story. So we just going to go right into because our show is made up of three areas. First, we talk about the personal background, the who you are story of of herself and the company, whoever the guest represents and then the second part we talk about the present day what does it look like in your business how do you get your customers what do you really do and the third part which i think is one of the most critical parts is the future realm we talk about the future of the person the inner the guest as well as their company so let's go back to the first round please 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 explain 
before we get to talk about the amazing movement of Brown Girl with the Camera, share with the audience who you are, your story. I mean, a little bit personal details about you and your background. Sure. So I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I'm 85, baby. Hey. <laughs> Own it. <laughs> Own it. I do. And um, my parents actually um, moved us from the city to Maryland when I was about seven years old. My dad really wanted us to get out of the city to get us into a more um, rural lifestyle where there's space and opportunity. So um, I actually grew up in Maryland uh, in an area called Waldorf. And um elementary school, middle school, high school, and until I went off to college at Delaware State University where I had a partial scholarship for volleyball. So really, Delaware State University was my first introduction to HBCU. Really, before I got offered the scholarship, I didn't really know a whole lot about HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, you know, in a in a mostly um, Caucasian area, shall I say. Um, there were probably <laughs> about two black families in the neighborhood. What did your parents do? Um, my dad actually was a retired um, engineer mm-hmm. uh, who worked at Con Edison in Manhattan. And my mom um, worked for the State Department of Maryland. So, oh, okay. yeah. So um, I have um, four siblings or three siblings. I have an older brother who's since passed away, oh, an older okay. sister, and a younger sister. And so after I went to Delaware State, there was this was like my first introduction to HBCU life where I was able to learn about sororities. You know, this is my first time now. I'm learning about sororities and frats, and I'm kind of getting into the, the culture of black people. So it was a little bit of a shock, but um, I was able to kind of find my way, um, you know, and kind of figure out who I was as a black woman. So I, I got to give big ups to Delaware State, my alma mater, mm-hmm. for that introduction. And upon graduating from Delaware State, I actually moved to, um, I took a job at a marketing firm mm-hmm. um, in Virginia. And a few months after I took that job, the manager wanted to open up an office in Chicago. And so I was like, I have no children. It's just me. Let's do this. So I moved to Chicago having never been there. And I just had a ball. Um, I love Chicago. It's a beautiful city. Luckily, mm-hmm. I was there from like April into September. So I missed all oh, the cold weather. You missed I missed the all the snow. I did. I really did, um, <laughs> luckily. So I love Chicago. I was there for a short amount of time, and then I came back to Maryland to kind of figure myself out. And then about a year back home, I landed a job as a contractor working for the federal government at the National Institute of Health. Mm-hmm. And so I had been there for about five years until they laid me off in December of 2014. Mm. Yes. Gotcha. So, um, not to jump right into the story, the, the, I guess, um, yeah, actually, when they laid you off, what happened next? Sure. So, when they laid me off, I actually had been dibbling and dabbling in photography mm-hmm. um, for about a year and a half, just doing things for friends and family, just really trying to figure out how I was going to get my start. And so, when they laid me off, I was like, I was actually in South Africa volunteering, teaching surfing. So I got this email. Yes. Okay, I got. It. I'm just writing down my question so I can get to let you finish the story. Yeah, so I got this email four days into my trip in Cape Town, and it was like, "Your last day is December 26, which was the day after Christmas." And I was like, "What? Are you serious right now? Am I really getting a letter notifying that um I'll be out of work in two weeks?" It was really crazy, and I thought it was just really whack at the same time, but. 
um, as I finished out that trip, you know, I was just kind of meditating and God was like, this is your opportunity to do all the things that you wanted to do with photography. And at that point, Brown Girl with the Camera was maybe about five months old. So when I got back, I finished out the rest of my my days and beginning of January, I was a full on entrepreneur. Mm, so before we even get into the Brown Girl with the Camera story, I want to circle back and ask you uh, two to three questions. The first question is, because I've, I've, I've had people on the show that have that narrative, but I never pressed into it and asked. But can you share a little bit about your experience being a minority coming to an HBCU, but you're really not, I mean, not to say you weren't really a minority, but you really <laughs> were like, you weren't grew up in the like, struggle or seeing, I mean, of course, struggle financially, because I know everybody has struggles. I always try to tell people that, like, just because mm-hmm. you might not struggle financially or whatever, doesn't mm-hmm. mean you don't have things going on, but you might not have the typical urban urban environment coming in. So what was that experience like? And what did you learn from being around peers that, that were like you, but were a, a, a little different? You know, it really helped me to dig more into my culture, um, the music, you know. So, you know, DC, uh, Delaware State is kind of in between Philly and Baltimore mm-hmm. and, of course, New York. So I was getting to know, like, the Philly crew and how they dressed. And I was getting to know, you know, Baltimore and Baltimore music, um, you know, and just that whole vibe. So it really broadened my mind of, you know, just the different backgrounds and how, you know, we were all in the same place for education and higher learning. So it really gave me an insight into, you know, um, other other classmates that look mm-hmm. like me, but that come from a totally different background, but we were still able to relate one way or another. Mm. And then, question: Why were you surfing? Like, what? What? You okay? It's like, okay, I was over in this another country, and I was teaching a surfing class. Like you said, okay, you went, you played volleyball, and now you you, you went to you went to Chicago, did a marketing, you got a little experience there. You're working for the government, and then when you got fired, you were in another country teaching <laughs> surfing. So where did this whole surfing come through, and what were you doing there? Like, where? Yeah. How did that? Well, explain that process. Absolutely. So I always tell people that my love for photography first came from traveling. So before there was photography, there was traveling. I was this wanderlust soul, um, (laughs) just wanting to like make my way around the world. Um, And so a way for me to do that and to not do it solo, so to speak, was to volunteer. So my first volunteer stint actually came in, I think, 2013 of April. I went to Costa Rica. And I taught English for two weeks at an orphanage. My opportunity to not just travel, but to give back at the same time. And I knew that once I got to this new this new place, I wouldn't be alone because there would be other, you know, travelers who were there with the same purpose that I was. And so um, I found this awesome organization online. It's called Volunteer Headquarters. They have different opportunities in different countries around the world. And they're continuously opening up different opportunities in other countries. And I, you know, I read the reviews and I was like, you know, I'm going to give it a stab. I'm going to go with it. It was very reasonable because at that time, a lot of volunteer organizations, you know, they're expensive. You know, if you wanted to go to, I don't know, Kenya or Tanzania, they're charging like five, six thousand dollars. This was super just reasonable. I could afford it. So I, I applied, they accepted it, and I was on my way to Costa Rica to teach English for two weeks. And so 
once that happened, I'm looking at other places I can go to. I'm like, well, where can I go next? Because this is amazing. Now, funny enough, about three months after that trip, I actually found out that I was pregnant. Um, so that kind of really, you know, not through a wrench in anything, but it definitely came as a surprise. And so I had to like scale back my travels um, considerably, um, you know, so that I could give birth and, and raise my child. Yeah, you scale back so I can give birth and raise a child. Side note, you didn't even mention, I said, where you are, and where, who are you and where are you from? I ain't here, no, you you just, you just, you just left my, 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 my your child all out of the picture. I hope when she grow up one day and listen to this podcast, you look at you sideways. Oh no, it's all love, all love. But he definitely came into the picture, I think, at um, the best time. Uh-huh. I was like, this is going to happen, it's going to happen now. And so he's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, but I actually got another opportunity to uh, travel and at this time mix in photography when the founder of uh, Girls Going Global, Marty Sutton, mm-hmm. uh, reached out to me. And um, Before you even get there, who, Girls Going Global, give us a little bit of context for our audience that may be, be unfamiliar with it. Absolutely. So Girls Going Global is an amazing nonprofit that allows teen girls... I think between the ages of 13 and 17, the opportunity to take their first trip abroad. And so the trip usually lasts about a week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on these different trips, they do different cultural things like they're cooking, the authentic food of that country. They're doing some adventure things as well as giving back. So when I went, um, we stayed in this awesome um, location in Costa Rica and there are about, 13 or 14 girls, and, and then as well as chaperones to accompany them. So we did awesome things like cook authentic Spanish food. Mm-hmm. You know, we did horseback riding to a waterfall. And on top of that, we also took surfing lessons. And I think those surfing lessons is what sparked my interest to teach surfing in South Africa. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. Okay, okay. So take us to, so how long did you teach surfing in, in, in South Africa? So it was about a total of 12 days that I was in Cape Town. Um, I also had a short stint to to Johannesburg, where Brown Girl with a Camera actually hosted its first international meetup. Can't wait to start getting into that because I'm looking at this your your travel side note to jump ahead, but I'm looking at your meetups and these exhibitions, and they are literally worldwide. This is not like okay, we're going to be in Largo, Maryland. We're going to be in <laughs> we're going to be in. Uh, about Largo. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no offense. I'm just saying you're from DC, so it's not like you have. Yeah three or four different places in your city and calling that like a world, like a, a countrywide tour. Cause yeah. I know people can be really loose with their verbiage when they have new businesses, but that's mm-hmm. crazy. But, but let's, let's, let's get back to it. So you te- you're doing that, you get this and you're like, wow, okay, I need to go into overdrive. So now if you could explain to our audience in depth, the origin, not even the origin, but what is Brown girl with a camera? Absolutely. So Brown Girl with a Camera is an organization that represents the underrepresented photographers within the mainstream photography industry. So we are a group of diverse women who are innovative, we're game changers, and we're doing the damn thing. So basically we showcase what photography looks like when there are no limitations to who is behind the lens. Okay, so bring it, bring it to life, bring it to life. So when you say that last sentence, because it sounded very powerful, when some like explain that, can you say the last sentence again and and really share with our audience what that means to you. 
Absolutely. So we showcase what photography looks like when there are no limitations to who is behind the lens. So, you know, it's no secret that the photography industry is dominated by the white male. Mm-hmm. Um, if not the white male, then his counterpart, the, the white female. Um, and then after that would probably come, you know, um, all the other ethnicities, um, black men, and then black women kind of fall somewhere at the bottom. No one really knows that we're out here and we're doing amazing things with our cameras. And so Ronger with a Camera encompasses all of that, and it gives us a voice and a platform to share our work, to come together, to unite, and just to be badass. <laughs> mm, point blank simple. Oh, I mean, point blank period, man. That's mm-hmm. that's freaking powerful. So when you first started off, because I know you have your own photography business on the side. Not on the side, but you have your own jointly, um, Rubiella Photography. So... When you, yeah. when you first launched Brown Girl with a Camera, did you already have that? Or did you start with Brown Girl with a Camera first? I actually had Ruby Ella Photography for about a year before I launched Brown Girl with a Camera. Only because I just didn't see the opportunities for myself. I, I didn't really know any of the Brown Girls with a Camera until I launched Brown Girl with a Camera on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So that opened up a whole new world for me that I saw a woman that looked like me who were as passionate about the art of photography as I was and who wanted to continue to evolve and to get better. Because I think that is that is one of the most pivotal things that I think is different from you, from a lot of other photographers, as well as from a lot of entrepreneurs, because that's very interesting that early in the game, when you first started, you had the foresight to say, let me go ahead and create the, a community of people like me while I'm starting. Like that's that's really genius because that is the way, like you said, that you can fit, figure out who else is in the lane. Because when you make something just about you, mm-hmm. then of course, I mean, you you have some success. But when it's just about you, only so many people can be involved and really be invested in it. But when you have something that showcases everybody else, it then takes on a whole life. And then, and then while that raises, it also helps you. So uh, <laughs> please, please speak on that. Was that strategical or you just said, man, honestly, I'm in this space alone. I really I'm, I'm trying to learn my wits and what gave you the foresight to not only do it and how has it. Uh, and I know I don't want to jump too far ahead, mm-hmm. but the, I guess when it first started, how did you go about connecting with other like minded individuals? Absolutely. So. Basically, um, I'm a huge Instagram person. Um, I think a lot of photographers are because it's very visual and you can share your work in a second and people will see it wherever they are. And so um, when I returned from Costa Rica with Girls Going Global, I had all of these amazing images. And, um, you know, I was tagging and using certain hashtags to get them featured, so to speak. So um, Travel Noir had um, reposted one of my images and then it kind of like took like this storm where a lot of other Instagram accounts that were geared towards black travelers started to repost my images. And I was like, this is awesome, but, you know, I don't really see something where it's just for women of color photographers to share their work and, you know, not just travel, but street photography, but weddings and portraits and, you know, still photography and all these other different genres. And so that's where I really felt um, compelled to create just a hub where it's just for us. And so when I first started it, you know, I really reached out to the community and my circle and was like, hey, you know, tag another brown girl with a camera or a woman of color photographer. You know, we want to feature their work. Mm-hmm. And it really grew from a grassroots um, operation. You know, 
more people were, were tagging other Broncos with the camera. And out of nowhere, there's people from everywhere. I'm like, who are all these Broncos with the camera? <laughs> I only knew myself. Uh-huh. So um, it's definitely been a grassroots and um, a very authentic um, growth over these last almost two years. Gotcha, gotcha. So I want to ask another question. Okay, when you for okay, you just you you just December twenty sixth, your job tells you that you're no longer employed. And this is after you had your son, correct? Yes. So tell me kind of what would like what was your first things that you did um after you received that news? And then also and you might be able to share and also with that being said once you have that, you realize, wow, I got to take this to the next level. How did you start getting clients and, and, and start getting revenue in the door? Because I know a lot of people listening, they mm-hmm. might they might have just been laid off or they they just started their business. And now something in life has come, came up and they have to get clients. Like it's not a fun no more. It's, it went to a hobby. Now it's something that they survive on. So talk to us about that transition because that is definitely pivotal for anybody out there that's trying to start a side hustle entrepreneur or whatever or if they just got laid off they're in between jobs and they need to create some revenue with a talent they already have absolutely so you know i gotta admit um when i was first laid off i did receive unemployment Mm -hmm. because bills do have to get paid so that really helped to kind of keep things going Mm -hmm. while i was able to try to make connections um and reach out to those, um, you know, who may have been getting engaged or married or who, you know, may have um, need a maternity images. And oftentimes I would do it at a pretty low, low cost because I was building my portfolio. And, um, you know, I didn't have the opportunities. I didn't know models. I didn't really know any makeup artists mm-hmm. or anybody else who could kind of help me build the portfolio. So I really leaned on my, my friends and my family. Um, and through that, I started to get referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also being consistent and putting out your work continues to let people know that you're consistent and that you're um, passionate and you you know mean what it is that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So consistency and definitely leaning on my community. Um, I think that coupled with the fact that I had created this organization for women of color photographers definitely really helped as well and bringing a little bit of notoriety and, and kind of uh, shine my way so that I could continue to get more opportunities. Yeah, so the three things I took out of that was one, A, it happened organically from referrals. It wasn't uh, you utilize, okay, who's in your space that may need this service? Um, mm-hmm. Didn't do it for free, but you didn't hit people over the head. And okay, so boom, you got that. Then we're for old base. But the second and biggest thing is even before you even started that, you had already been adding value to the community well before you even started um, down that journey, correct? Yes. Correct. And then I guess the, the third and the, the biggest thing um, that I got out of it is just the consistency and just showing people kind of what you do. So when you speak of consistency from, from your perspective, from your narrative, what does that look like for other entrepreneurs out there that are that are okay say if i'm i'm just starting my business i'm, I'm and i'm looking for clients right now and i don't have I'm, I'm, and people are not responding to my emails or people are not are being receptive to what i'm trying to give them and i and i'm having it at a price like what would you what would you tell what would you tell those people 
Absolutely. I would tell them that if the opportunities weren't coming that their way, then they'd need to go out and create those opportunities. So for instance, I would grab some of my girlfriends. I'm like, hey, listen, put your best outfit on, get your hair done, do your makeup, and let's go out to this field and let's do this shoot. Mm-hmm. And so um, from those opportunities, I was able to gradually add images to my portfolio that I wanted to shoot, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and just post Posting those and letting people see my art, and letting people see where I started from to where I am now and showing them that progress, um, I think really kind of won people over as well. Uh, I think it's important to kind of show your journey along the way. So, you know, you'll gain followers and fans and people are inspired from people that kind of start from nothing and build their way up. So definitely, you know, if, if opportunities aren't there, then you got to go out and find them or you got to create them yourself. Amen. And I think two things I got out of that. The first thing is um, just you put stuff out, even if I mean, in your, it might be the best you can do. But honestly, it might not be the best to uh-huh. show your growth, because I ain't gonna lie. Everybody that I look up to in the speaking realm and the personal development realm, I always the first thing I do is go to the YouTube channel and look at the first videos <laughs> so I can so I can see. OK, because hey, that helps me. It gives me confidence. So I'm like, yo. Uh-huh. I, when they first started, I was I was just like that. Oh, I was even better. Or I'm like, but then also I look where they are now, and uh-huh. it gives me a deeper level of admiration because it's like, wow, this is a, first of all, it's a huge body of work. This is years and years and years and years and years of content, but uh-huh. it lets you know it gives you the blueprint. And I think that's definitely pivotal. And the second thing I want to talk about, and if you're listening to this show, I pl- I need you to listen in right here, is the myth of no opportunities. And oh. I, I feel like there's a, a poison in society of, oh, there's no opportunities out there in the workforce. So they're waiting for presidents to get in. They're waiting for presidents of the United States to improve <laughs> the economy for them. <laughs> like, like they waiting like Obama came into office and the, right. uh, the, the, it hasn't changed or I'm a speaker and I got no opportunities. I'm a photographer. Nobody wants to see it, whatever, whatever, whatever. But you hit on it. You just said create your opportunities create them if you're a speaker like there's just this for people with talent for people that are out not even with talent for people that's out there just thinking even looking online you'll see how people manifest and create stuff i think you really hit it on the head and you put it to a point and can you share another time because i'm glad you shared your example of okay just get some friends another time where you and your business initially there was a roadblock in how you creatively created an opportunity Sure. Um, so I guess I would say another way that I was able to um, gain more clients was to work under other photographers. Mm. Ooh, okay, break it down, break it down. Absolutely. So I would say last year I worked with three male photographers, or mm-hmm. I would say three brown guys with the camera, <laughs> <laughs> who um, were doing events and weddings and studio work and I got the opportunity to shadow them Um, not only did it um, allow me to practice and show my best work but it also allowed me to gain a better understanding of how to get to where I wanted to be you know by following their their blue their blueprint and really being a student um, I was able to kind of grasp you know um, the concept okay well if I want to shoot portraits and weddings this is kind of how I have to do it or, you know, this is the best way to go about doing A, B, and C. So really um, finding a mentor or someone that you can work under um, will really um, kind of, I guess, tear down those roadblocks. Mm-hmm. 
and you know just being in the atmosphere with other creatives I don't know about you but when I'm around other creatives I become even more creative and even more excited hmm. to push forward yeah no you you're definitely right and when you said that example I just thought about like say you're in DC right you're in traffic and you look on the other side in the hove lane and you see Cassie just going by there you're like bro I'm stuck in this traffic I can't move and the mm -hmm. hove lane people are just speeding by I'm like where I just need two more visible people in this car so I can get that <laughs> lane but instead of just waiting in traffic waiting in line you jump into somebody else that already has they already have momentum they're already going just be a passenger be a yes. passenger until mm -hmm. you get to your destination and then you can jump out and get into you your car. Out. Yeah, see, oh, boom. That's I'm gonna use that. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So, nah, that's cool. And I definitely, before we go into the present day round, I definitely wanted to, to ask you you must be a very, very humble person. And I want you to speak about humility because one, as far as learning, like having the, the humble, the humility to learn on your craft, even when you've already had experience doing it, to learn under others. But also to, have, to create a community in what you do when you first started. And the reason why I say that is you might have had photographers. And I don't know how y'all rate who's good or who's bad in <laughs> photography. But you might have had photographers when you invited into your community were just maybe a lot more. I'm not going to say better, but advanced. more advanced and more seasoned. So how was it? How, how, did you, how, how did you develop that kind of humility to embrace people in your community that may be way far advanced than you are? Well, you know, I always kind of have this notion that you can always learn something from someone. Mm -hmm. So I can learn some something from someone who may not be, you know, where I am um, as far as technically. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they have they're coming into it with a different mindset and different experiences that can even open my eyes even further. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I realize that Brown Girl with the Camera may have started with me, but it is no by far, you know, it is, it's not by far going to end with me because I'm just one person and it's a community of women. And so when I started, you know, the more I found more Brongos with the camera, the more, um, the more uh, passionate I was to find more and to connect them because I feel like, you know, if I'm the, if I'm, if I'm a photographer starting out and I feel like there's no one else like me that I can relate to mm -hmm. and so to be able to connect these brongos with the camera right in their own city let alone across the country and in different continents um was really powerful for me um and so that's kind of what what drives me is to continue to connect us because I know that you know I know the feeling of starting out and wanting to do something but then not seeing anyone that looks like you that's you know excelling at it you can get you know a little disheartened and, and discouraged mm. amen 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 so we're going to transition to the second part of the um, the show and that's the present day and honestly i want to take uh i want to pivot this show a little bit because i think you are and i might be mistaken but you are the first person i've had on the minority trailblazer podcast that has a child like the, the, that's a parent Really? And yeah, you are really, really. Out of twenty-one episodes, I believe that you are the first one ever. And wow. I, I want to ask some questions because we may have those out there that are juggling business, juggling, juggling jobs, juggling a lot of priorities and whatnot, and growing and thriving, and mm -hmm. they have children. So definitely, do you take some time and to to share about? how maybe you have changed as a person because i know even beforehand when you were dibbling dabbling business pre-child i mean after child and 
tell me how you you prioritize your time and what you do in regards to still being a great mother. Oh, you know, this is something that I would say I am still continuously working on. Mm-hmm. I think the work life balance um, is is one that all mamapreneurs struggle with. Mm-hmm. Because on one end, they have this passion, they have this project or this idea or organization that is also like a baby that they have to nurture and tend to on the daily so that it'll grow into what they want it to be. And then on the other hand, they have a real life human being that needs their attention. They need to be fed, cared for, loved, and paid attention to. So um, I tend to, you know, slightly struggle with the with the work life balance. But I will say that I have gotten much better than when I was um, when my child was first born. So he'll be three actually in October. And so um, I think really it's you have to just be intentional about how you spend your time. Um, I think as entrepreneur in general, we are very um, just a little bit selfish with our time because we just know how how precious it is. And then when you become a parent, your time is even more precious because now you have someone else depending on you. So I would say um, really managing your time well. You know, get off of social media if you'll need to be on social media. Turn off the television, you know. Those moments when you aren't on your computer or answering emails, then put your phone down and spend 120% paying attention to your child. Let them have your undivided attention. Because there are going to be times when, you know, you're going to have to, in some ways, shut them out so that you can do what you have to do. (laughs) And you have to not feel guilty about it. Um, I know initially on, I felt very guilty when... um, when I wasn't around him and I was working on my business, you know, I, I would feel guilty, like, well, maybe I should be, you know, doing something with him or giving him more attention. But at the end of the day, you know, you are a parent, but you're also a person and a human being. So um, <clears throat> I think also with how times are now, where women, you know, we were working full time jobs, we have a side business, we're taking care of a home and a family and children, you know. It's unheard of. So we're really being stretched as far as we can. So I think really being intentional about your time and how you spend it is very important because, you know, you only get 24 hours in a day. Um, And also, you know, not feeling guilty when it's time to take care of business. Um, You kind of have to shut off that, you know, (laughs) that mother tendency to worry and just spend that hour, you know, doing what you have to do and getting it done. Um, So... Those are kind of, you know, be my advice would be to really be intentional about your time and planning out, you know, time with your family and your friends, just like you plan out, you know, meetings and and things of that nature. Along the lines of that note of adjustments, um, I remember missed if I didn't ask, what was your biggest um, struggle? And this could be a life or a business struggle that you have encountered. Um, over the last, yeah, in, in, in your life, because I always want to ask uh, our audience, because, I mean, once we get into kind of the currently kind of what y'all doing now and the spaces that y'all are in in the future, everybody's going to get this great, rosy, rosy, rosy picture of, of kind of the journey. And they're like, wow, wow. And we want to have that rosy picture, but we do uh-huh. want to bring some depth and to understand the struggles that, and so allow people to be very aware of some things, some struggles that they may encounter on this journey as well, and kind of mm-hmm. bring it to where they're at. So, can you share with us um, some of your one of your biggest struggles and how you overcame it? 
Absolutely. So I would say one of my biggest struggles would be um, early on was not trusting the process and not going through the struggle. So I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go from bad to great (laughs) without going from bad to okay to pretty good to really good to okay, now she's really doing something. I just wanted to skip it all. Mm -hmm. But really, when you're, you know, when you go through the process, you learn a whole lot about yourself as a person. Mm -hmm. You learn about yourself as an artist and creative and um, as a business person, you know. And it, it really humbles you because you're like, wow, you know, I came from this and this is where I am now. And because, you know, I trusted the process and just kept putting in the work, I now can see the results and reap the rewards of what I started two years ago. Can you share with us I like, like a story or like mm-hmm. uh, bring us there to when you tried to skip the levels and how, how that looked? <laughs> <laughs> Um, sure. So I would say, um, let me think of a really, cause you're a story, man. Let me give you a really, really, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to, uh, how would, how would future say he would say, uh, dress it up and make it real for me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I guess for me, you know, when I was starting my portfolio and, you know, the images looking back aren't so great, but you know, I wanted to, um, I wanted to be great. Um, and one of the things that I did that really was harmful was compare myself to other photographers who had years in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, they always say you really shouldn't compare yourself to other people and you really, really shouldn't. You really have to, you know, compare yourself to who you were yesterday mm-hmm. and to know that you were better than you were yesterday is really, you know, um, all the approval that you really, really need. So in building my portfolio, you know, I I wanted to skip that part. I wanted to just jump to the part where I <laughs> was creating these awesome images. Um, so, you know, then I realized that, okay, well, I'm self-taught and I can't teach myself everything. So I'm really going to have to seek out counsel and, um, through the Brown Girl with the community, you know, I, I um, happened upon some other photographers who were teaching workshops and, you know, really were leading the pack in their, in their own right. And so just reaching out to them and signing up for the workshops and honing in on some of my skills, um, I was able to get to where I, you know, wanted to be or, you know, closer to where I want to be um, just by reaching out and um, researching and, and getting information. Um, if I had skipped that process, I definitely would not be where I am today. Mm. That's 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 major major key. Do you have any mentors now? Um, I do actually. She is um, she's like a friend, a mentor, and like one of my biggest cheerleaders. Her name is Sherry Williams, and mm. she is the founder of Her Way which is an amazing platform for uh, women who are, you know, who are killing it in whatever um, industry they're in. So she brings them together and she unites them. And she has these awesome events that take place throughout the year um, to continue to empower the community that she's built. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about our relationship was, is that she's not a photographer. Uh-huh. So to have someone's unbiased, um, you know, unbiased um advice really helped me and propelled me to move even further Mm -hmm. so i think having people 
in your circle who may not even do what you do, they come with a totally different mindset and a different experience um, that can help you in your journey and your path. How do you receive their feedback, though? Because I know I'm, I'm a big guy. I don't like I, – I, I, sometimes – I'm a bad about feedback, man. I just go off the hinges, and I've gotten a lot better. But back in the day, I'm like, bro, you don't do what I do. How you going to tell me that, bro? Like, I know the all that. So how do you deal with feedback, though? Because what if Sherry say something you don't like? Are you like, bro, you Ooh. what? So how do you have? <laughs> it has happened. You know, I agree with you. Um, i very sensitive uh, initially where, I, you know, any feedback would cut like a knife and I would just cut that person off. Like I ain't talking to you for a few days because that hurt. But, um, I think knowing her, it comes from a true place mm -hmm. and understanding that she really does want to see me do better. And she does really want to see me get to the places that I tell her that I want to get to. And so I've come to trust her advice and her feedback because I know it's coming from a place that is pure and honest. And, you know, just all the books that I read where it tells you, you know, you don't want to have friends that just agree with you and that just pat you on the back and say, great job. You want to have honest feedback because that feedback is going, is going to help you get to the next level. Because mm -hmm. you got to figure out, okay, yeah, I did write in this, but what didn't I do, you know, write in? And, 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 and where can I fix it? Because that's only going to... Um, improve you know where i am and put me where i want to be gotcha that's so so tell us how how is brown girl with the camera specifically that organization from its inception to now because now um and you could speak on it about the workshops the exhibitions the plethora of things that y'all do one can you share exactly the other things outside of uh, the community like specifically what that community does and what what kind of things you're offering what you have up next as well as how did it get to that point? Because I know y'all didn't. I know you didn't just start off. Okay, where we start off doing exhibitions, doing workshops, doing all this stuff. So, kind of walk us through that process to where you first start off with the organization and to where y'all are today and what you offer. Absolutely. So when I first started it, it was really out of just this wanting to have a platform to share women of color photographers' work. It was very innocent. You know, I hadn't thought much further into the future other than just sharing, you know, my fellow photographers work. And then um, slowly by listening to the community and what they wanted, um, I started to host meetups. Now, these meetups, the first one was actually in New York and we did night photography where we took photos of the skyline and a few people showed up for that. So I was like, wow, these people. You okay. say a few people, how many? There were three, so okay. it was four of us. So the first, so your first meetup ever, just three. Yep, four. first okay. meetup okay. ever, just three. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, had, we had a total blast. It was my first time doing night photography, and I learned so much. Um, and so you know, I was like, well, let's do this again in D.C. So what I did was I um, I hosted one in D.C. It was actually sunrise over the National Monument, mm -hmm. so over the reflecting pool. Um, and so, you know, basically just trying to adhere to what the community was telling me and creating an opportunity for us all to connect. Mm -hmm. And so after that, we did a cherry blossom. Um, I'm sorry. Before D.C., I actually did the meetup in Johannesburg. So when I was out in South Africa in December of 2014, I had, you know, thought, well, maybe I can get together with some photographers out in Africa. <laughs> wow. Now, mind you, I'm thinking globally because, you know, I love to travel. Uh -huh. And I was thinking, well, maybe I can make this work. 
So I had reached out to a few people through hashtags on Instagram mm. who were located in Johannesburg. And I reached out to them. We exchanged emails. I told them what I was trying to do. They were like, who's this girl from America? But we're going to go with it, though. So um, <laughs> so it was myself, uh, a young man, and a young lady who got together. And we did street photography in Johannesburg. So it was my uh-huh. When you do these meetups, so okay, say you did a meetup in North Carolina. I, okay, if you do here, what is it? What does it look like? So early on, you know, it was really just doing um, shots like street photography. Mm-hmm. It really like wasn't a huge rhyme or reason. Just whatever idea that I thought would work or would be awesome to try, I tried it. So. Um, so yeah, so Johannesburg, we got together and we just took shots of um, of the of the downtown area um, that you know that I that uh, one of the other people that came, you know, we met there and they um, they suggested it. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and I was like, this can really be something. This is kind of cool. So I came back. We did the DC meetup. We did another DC meetup for the cherry blossoms because um, here in DC, the cherry blossom festival is really huge. And actually, it just passed um, over Easter. But thousands upon thousands of people from all over, really, come to the Tidal Basin. And there are these gorgeous cherry blossoms. So we did that. And then after that meetup, you know, getting feedback from the community, they were like, you know, maybe we should shoot some models. They're like, I would love to build my portfolio. And so I was like, oh, okay. So they were like, let's do models and makeup artists. And so I reached out to a makeup artist that I knew and I put out a modeling call on Instagram and different other um, social media platforms and I got some hits. So we had a date picked. We all met up at a location and that was the very first portfolio building experience. Mm. And since then, um, we've kind of stuck with the portfolio building experience idea and I had two photographers from the Greenville, South Carolina area to hit me up and they were like hey you know we saw what you did in dc can you bring that here to south carolina we would love to host you i was like absolutely so we talked offline we picked a date and we and we did it um i think that second one people were kind of like wow so i started to get inquiries from texas from philly from detroit all over the place um And then we had a, we had the same experience in, in in New York two day two weeks after South Carolina. So after that experience, I was like, all right, let me regroup because I have all of these you know folks hit me up because they want to be able to have the same opportunity to build their portfolio. So if you remember when I was talking earlier about when I first started, you know, to build my portfolio, I would grab a girlfriend or grab a friend and we go out and shoot. Mm-hmm. Now I'm creating these opportunities for these beginner photographers or just the photographers who want to diversify their portfolio to come into an atmosphere where it's already prepared, where the models and the makeup artists and stylists are already on board. And all they have to do is just shoot and do their best work and they get to network and they get to, you know, um, grow their network of other creatives right in their own city. Wow. So from there... Um, I decided to put on a tour. <laughs> I got this bright idea to hit up nine cities, including London, in 2016. So currently, at this point, we're kind of halfway through the tour. The first two stops were in Dallas and Houston, and that really set the tone. Um, 
with this tour, we, we really elevated the experience. We wanted to have more professionalism, have a theme centered around the shoots. We were bringing in professional makeup artists and stylists that were going to add a level of um, of just awesomeness to the experience overall. Mm-hmm. And so we did San Francisco and L.A. after Texas. And so now we're back on the East Coast. We're doing Philly. We're doing two in D.C. because the first one was sold out. Mm-hmm as well as New York, Atlanta, and the last stop is going to be in London at the end of June. Oh, I get it. 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 Now it's all coming to fruition where you you bring in professional makeup and then you get you get models and then this is opportunity for, for either artists that want to brush up on some skills or just shoot some more stuff. They come and they just get live shooting experience, but also get that networking component of working with people um, that's doing what they're doing. Yes. Wow. That Absolutely. Is, man, my goodness, that's freaking genius. This is. Uh, I'm glad I got you on the podcast early because the last <laughs> couple of years, this is this is this is freaking phenomenal. I can't I can't wait to see how this goes internationally, especially from a, a, a woman of color that's behind this. So, um, that's that's freaking that's freaking phenomenal. Um, and I, I'm not, and it's crazy how it's grown. So, can you also speak on the exhibitions piece? Absolutely. So. Um, last year I actually had uh, a fellow photographer of mine and another brown girl with a camera who invited me out to her exhibition. Mm -hmm. Um, it was her along with three other photographers who were going to show some of their pieces up in Baltimore at this gallery. And so, you know, I was like, of course I'll come support. So I showed up and I was so taken back and inspired by the whole program that I was like, I can do this. I should do this with Brown Girl with the Camera. Like, I don't see other, any other exhibitions that's geared towards this, you know, this niche that to, that's geared towards these ladies. So let me do something similar and, and see how it goes. And so um, the photographer who I went to support, she helped me to kind of um, figure out how it would go since she's done a few of them before. And with her expertise and just the, the passion and drive, I opened it up to the community for... Um, you know, to, to, to apply. And I was just overwhelmed by all of the applications, you know, they're coming from Atlanta and Detroit and Philly and New York, all of these ladies who want the opportunity to show their work because they're not getting this anywhere else. And so pick the date. Um, actually the date kind of coincided with Brown Girl with the Cameras, um, anniversary. Mm. So not only were we celebrating women of color photographers, and their work, we were also celebrating the movement and it, you know, and it being around for an entire year. Wow, that's that's phenomenal. And also, um, we we and also I didn't even talk about it, but you also do workshops as well. And that is pivotal because that's showcasing a blueprint. I'm looking at now event photography workbook workbook, and it's showing a blueprint on how photographers can infiltrate these different other mediums, because you know as a photographer because and we don't have all show to, to talk about it but you know there's different okay there's corporate events there's maternity there's all these other sections mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. actually in this so in these workshops you show photographers the, the whole blueprint absolutely so um i actually not only do i do portrait photography and things like that but i also do event photography and so um I, um, so Her Way and Brown Girl with the Camera partnered last October, um, and 
we hosted a live event photography workshop that coincided with the Her Way workout um, fitness fitness day. So Her Way had several, um, like a yoga instructor came through, a soca instructor came through, and I brought um, on four photographers to capture it all. Mm-hmm. So as that is happening simultaneously, I'm instructing these ladies on how to improve their event photography skills, like right there as it's happening, mm. like right hands-on experience. So if they have a question, I'll come right over and whatever it is, I can help them and, and walk them through it. And to a company that I created a workbook, something that they can kind of dig into after the experience was over and, you know, kind of gain more knowledge that way. Um, you know, because when I started out doing event photography, there were a lot of, you know, failures. You know, I would <laughs> I wouldn't quite get the right shot sometimes or, you know, um, I didn't understand how to approach the event because there's so many aspects to covering events because there's so many different kind of events. So I thought that I, it would be best if I threw all of my knowledge that I knew of event photography into this book that it will accompany these ladies so that they can use it moving forward to continue to improve on their event photography techniques and skills. Oh, man, that's phenomenal, man. And and I hope people that are listening are not just getting lost in the photography jargon because the stuff that you're, 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 you're spewing as far as business principles and adding on products and providing services of value, letting your community dictate what, pro, um, what programs you're offering – it's timeless. Like, I mean, I'm getting ideas off of this and I thought I was all ideaed out. And I mean, like, <laughs> it's freaking crazy. So I pray that people are really taking it in and we're going to get to your, your website and everything else at the end. But man, if y'all, she's the blueprint to a lot of things outside of photographies, as far as community building, as far as adding on through time, different price points, different uh, packages and offerings that people actually want. So, I please pray that y'all are taking in all this because this is, this is, oh man, this is amazing. This is amazing. So I want to transition to our last round, mm-hmm. which is the future. And where, what's next for Black Girls with a Camera in 2016 and beyond? Oof, absolutely. So we're actually hosting our second exhibition um, coming this August. Mm-hmm. And it'll be right here in D.C., And so um, what I would love to do is I would love to take that exhibition on the road. So I would like to go to different cities, just like how I'm doing with the portfolio building experiences and offering an opportunity for the ladies in the community to show their work. So I would love to hit up Detroit. I would love to hit up Miami drawing, um, what is it, Art Basel or Art Basel. I would love to, you know, go um, hit up Texas again and to give, you know, those an opportunity to showcase their work. So that, that's definitely one thing that I would definitely want to implement. I also want to um, open up the workshops to um, other seasoned photographers in the community. So giving them an opportunity to teach what they know to the community. And we would be the hub, you know, because we are a hub of Brown Goes With The Camera, they would just have to figure out what it is that they, you know, what they're teaching. So if they're teaching about weddings, they would come up with their own workbook. And, you know, I would open it up to the community to whoever wanted to learn from that photographer. So kind of some something of like a, a school or university or some kind of academy where have you, 
where we opened it up to seasoned photographers who want to share their knowledge with those who, you know, want to build upon their skills and, and, and to learn. Mm, man, this is uh, and and I'm and I'm appalled because I'm a, I'm from Durham, North Carolina, and you ain't even said come to Durham, North Carolina. I don't see no <laughs> NC dates. I don't see even Charlotte. I am appalled. We have photographers out here too. You know, you're absolutely <laughs> right, and so that's not definitely a place. I've actually gotten quite a few inquiries, so North Carolina will definitely be on the list next year for the tour. Yeah, no, definitely. Sure. I can we can, I can definitely pull some strings, and I already I, I got some venues in line that can be a dope spot. So yes. let me let me know when we were trying to make that happen. I could definitely put some fillers out there because I know we have a, a a community that definitely will be welcome. Um, to your service and, and definitely after this podcast hopefully people can reach out and and we can get some more inqu- inquiries on those services because i definitely think that's needed um um outside of that so oh man and oh definitely in my conference i'll let you know i i, I could talk to it after the call as far as something i put together at the end of november that for sure i definitely want to get that on so what's next what's the ultimate the ultimate vision for black girls with the camp beyond 2016 if you just said like if you were to look back at this company in forty years, what like at the end you see forty years of progress or whatnot, what does it look like? Ooh, wow! I know that's hard, but just say just your <laughs> wildest imagination because that's a hard question because yeah. you know things change so rapidly. But it just just cause. Absolutely. So I see Brown Girl with the camera being the hub for women of color photographers. Now, I'm not just talking black women. I'm talking Hispanic women. I'm talking, you know, women that come from, you know, other diversities, you know, Native American women, um, South American, Caribbean, Asian. Um, It being that hub and number one resource that is going to offer opportunities to empower them on their journey, to connect them with other um, photographers and to create this sense of unity. Um, So, you know... I definitely see some um, kind of, you know, I have this actually, I have this idea for a YouTube series. So you know how they have um, this, the YouTube series, well, not YouTube, but the show, it's actually on Bravo, where these designers, mm-hmm. they, you know, I think it's, um, but basically, you know, it's a show about designers and each week one gets, one gets, gets kicked off until at the end there's this one designer. I actually have that concept for photography where <laughs> start out with 12 photographers and each week there's a different, um, you know, kind of project where they have to either work alone or work in groups. And then, you know, it's voted on by um, by the judges. And at the end of the 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 show, there's one photographer standing and then, you know, they'll win some kind of, you know, um, some kind of, you know, money, prizes and some kind of um, award, huge award. So just being able to like put us more on mainstream to get more women of color, you know, um, in the mainstream and working with, with big brands, um, I think would be awesome. Definitely. Oh man, that's, that's fantastic. And I, I just can't wait, can't wait to see it come to fruition, come to fruition. So last question in this round is when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? Absolutely. I would love to be remembered as as a woman, as a black woman who was an advocate for women of color photographers everywhere who, through her passion and drive, 
knocked down walls and boundaries and created a platform and a place where our voices can be heard, where our work can be seen and, and we can be acknowledged in, in the way that, that we should. That's the end of that. Let's transition to our last round, the most exciting round, which is the culture change round, which is a series of five <laughs> rapid questions. And I require a rapid answer. You ready? Yes, let's do it. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Just start. What is one of your personal habits that you can attribute to your success? I don't know if it's a habit, but it's something that I definitely do is not taking no for an answer. Mm. How do you do that? Being relentless, being relentless in my in my pursuit. What is your favorite book and why? Um, my favorite book would have to be War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Oh man, that is a phenomenal <laughs> book. It's on my recommended readings Isn't list. It? Yeah, man, that man Stephen Pressfield, that that book, that I, book changes lives. Matter of fact, I need to now that I'm mature, I need to add, I need to buy like ten of those copies and just give it to all my creative friends that just think they, they, they can just show up. Like I can just show up and write when I want to write. Like shut up, bro. No, you need to write every day, dude. Every day. <laughs> I need to every sing when day. I want to sing. Shut up, man. Want to do it is when you gotta do it the most. Yeah, like what? And then they want to draw from skills they don't have when it's time to shine because they didn't just do it every. They, even if it's bad but that book is phenomenal I, i'm glad that you brought that up please yes. you know, oh man i could talk for days we can do a podcast about that book <laughs> what is you know what for sure for real <laughs> what inspires you the most it keeps you motivated um i would say my son um wanting to be an example um wanting to show him what he could obtain in life if he just didn't give up mm. also paying down my student loans <laughs> <laughs> and that's real talk <laughs> no that's real that's real that's that's i'm just trying to be that guy one clean swipe i'm just trying to you know a couple speaking engagement. i'm like full speaking engagement <laughs> some big boy jumps the next couple in the next year or so and just go ahead and knock that out because it pisses me off uh but that's a podcast in itself as well <laughs> yes <laughs> if you were the president of the united states what's the first thing you would do i would cut everybody's student loans in half Oh man, so you gonna yeah. stay on this new normal? I love it. Yes, why why not? Why not all the way though? Um, well, because you know you gotta have some skin in the game. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's you real. Have some skin <laughs> in the game. You know, I mean, you you did take out the loans. You know, so you gotta pay something back, even though the interest rates are ridiculous. You know, that shouldn't really be your fault. So half, mm. we'll do half. <laughs> Amen. 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 And the last question. This is outside of the culture change round. Matter of fact, great culture change round. Uh, this is the, one of the most pivotal questions of the whole show, uh, which is the reason why I do this show. I mean, of course, I get to interview some of the the world's leading change agents of color, but also to put some depth to the faces that are 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 leaders in their own movement and, and talk about real stuff. And and if you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? I would have to change the crab-in-a-barrel mindset, the fact that we all can't share in the piece of the pie, the fact that we all can't win when we all can win because there's enough to go around. So just that scarcity mindset and, and you know, if, if I help this person get to where they have to be or even support them, then, you know, I'm not going to get what I need when, in fact, you are, it's going to be tenfold. 
So just that scarcity mindset and, you know, I can't help my brother and sister out to get to where they need to be because for some reason it's going to keep me down. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. So, um, before we wrap it up, where can we find all the information about you, Brown Girl with the camera, and everything that you're doing? Absolutely. So, first place you can go is to the website, which is www.bgwac, which stands for Brown Girl with a Camera. dot com. We're also on Instagram by the same name. We're on Twitter at the underscore bgwac. We also have a Facebook uh, page, Brown Girl with a Camera. And you can find me personally at rubyella.com and on Instagram at rubyellaphoto. Rubyellaphoto. Okay, so audience, definitely check those out. We'll, and at the end, like the end, I'll, I'll chop it up. We'll do some pre-roll and put those in the middle episodes so they know where to go. But thank you so much for your time. I know time is of the essence with the family, with the full-time job, running this empire right now. So I appreciate for you giving me over an hour of your time. Like, I really do. I am just, I'm really grateful to be on your podcast. I love what you're doing, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. Amen. Minority Trailblazer Nation, thank you for tuning in and listening to another hour-long production. I know you're like, boy, the boys be talking. But it's all amazing content information. Ruby and her brown girls with the camera movement, they are next in line. I cannot wait. I'm glad to be to get on the episode early. And I'm glad that she's been joining us in this fascinating movement. So for Minority Trailblazing Nation, I need y'all to do one thing. Before I even get to that, I definitely need y'all to rate the podcast if you're listening via iTunes. And if you're listening via SoundCloud or any other device, make sure you follow it and share it with a friend. If you're interested in learning more about my book, Remember You're a Genius, again, One Man's Journeys from Hero to Humblest to Humble. Humblest humble. Humble to hu- homeless to humble. Golly. Uh, it's the end of the episode, so I'm gonna leave that out there. I ain't gonna edit it. <laughs> you can find a discounted version at greggyhill.com backslash podcast book. Alright, alright, alright. So like we always do it, like we always do it, like we always do it. I need y'all to do one thing. Outside of what I just said. <laughs> what is that, Mr. Hill? That is change the freaking culture. Good night.